0: JVL here with my best friend Sarah Longwell, publisher of the Bulwark. Sarah, where are you?
1: Mm, I'm in Chicago, and I overslept. I had one of those nights last night. Did you ever? Does it ever happened? You were like, you just can't fall asleep.
0: Like, there's just—I mean, it's happened like once in my life.
1: What is it about you and sleep? I, I am—I am so. It is like a superpower. People who can sleep well.
0: So, I, uh, I have several superpowers, but one of them is perfectly controlled narcolepsy, which is that I can fall asleep on a dime anytime, anywhere, any time of day, any place. And this, I, I really perfected this when I was a rower in college because you had to be up at four o'clock in the morning every morning for practice. And so I would get up shower, put on my, my workout clothes, walk down to the gym where we then had to catch a bus to to the to the boathouse. And so I would first sleep on the stone steps of the gym waiting for the bus and the bus would get there. I would sleep for 10 minutes on the bus while I drove to the boathouse. We got to the boathouse while everybody else was stretching. I would go and crawl away to a corner of the boathouse, sleep for five more minutes. And then once we got out on the water... Uh, you warm up in uh, in fours on a, on an eight man shell. And so when the uh, back four was warming up, I would sit, sit in the boat asleep on my oar for five minutes while they were warming up. And then my pair partner would tap me on the back when it was time for us to row. And I would wake up and be like, okay, let's go. And so I could just, I've maintained this superpower my entire life.
1: That's the most incredible thing I've ever heard. Um... As you may be able to tell, I just woke up. Um, I'm an hour behind time difference. One hour time difference totally throws my entire world into upheaval. Can't manage it. And uh, last night, just lay there awake. I I mean, listened to sleepy podcasts. I watched Survivor. I listened to Hacks on Tap. I listened to uh, some NPR. I don't know. Eventually, uh, eventually close to like two thirty, I finally fell asleep. And uh, and then I overslept for this podcast. And then so I wake up right. And I'm in a hotel, and I'm I'm here at the Institute of Politics. I'm a fellow this quarter, uh, and I'm I'm speaking at a at a thing today with two other people. And those two other people are Heidi Heitkamp and Amy mm-hmm. Walter. Mm. Do you do you have any like I don't I don't know how to I don't know how to describe it because I want to make sure um, I have a love of my life. That's my wife, but I do have a political crush.
0: Like On Amy Walter,
1: always. Yeah, right. Don't she's, you amazing. A, she's, she's amazing. She's amazing. Yeah, right I love so, her so much so she's so she's so and, but and, you guys
0: and, are already buds you already you've gotten through the ice breaking because you had her on the, yeah, the yeah. focus group
1: no we know each other we know each other now um okay you know okay uh but so so I wake up I am I'm am late for this pot. I know I've missed JVL's I got a text from JBL that's an hour ago that's like when are we taping and I'm like oh God I gotta go get some coffee and so I go running downstairs I'm in my uh PJ's Uh, to catch the coffee cart at this hotel. And, uh, oh, and Heidi Heitkamp's the other one that I'm on this panel with. Heidi Heitkamp, Amy Walter, former senator from North Dakota. And I go downstairs. uh, I haven't brushed my hair or teeth or anything. I just really need coffee. And there is, like, Amy Walter, fully dressed, you know, like, up, like, ready to go for whatever... And and Heidi Heitkamp, both talking to people that looked fancy. Uh, And so... I get to have the coffee thing, and I I push the little nozzle, and I'm like, okay, I got to hide now, so I'm, like, quickly trying to get my coffee, and, like, the coffee cart is – the the coffee thing only fills my cup halfway. Uh, Like, it's, like, the end, and I, like – I'm, I'm like, so I either have to walk by them to go down the street to a coffee shop, uh, or I have to, like, tell the people at the hotel, because I I can't – what am I supposed to do? I've got to have the coffee. And so, of course, like some wonderful human comes over and he's like, you know, he like lifts the whole thing up and tries to and gets me like enough coffee to live. But the whole time I'm ducking uh, in my PJs like and the guy is trying to help me get coffee and I'm like crouching down. He's like, what are you so doing? This
0: is look, this just teaches you that you have reached a station in life where when you go downstairs in a hotel, you need to be wearing a ball cap and your aviators <laughs> because otherwise you're going to get recognized by people like former senator heidi heitkamp and the great amy walter because you are a person who gets recognized now and so you you just gotta be a little bit incognito
1: do you ever it's just i still feel this is too much information i'm so tired this is like too much information JTL's oh just go like, people are
0: going
1: to I just still feel like such a kid. Like, I just still feel like the kid who would show up downstairs in my flip-flops and pajamas, really desperate for coffee, bleary-eyed, uh, and, like, my two co-panelists of very serious Imposter syndrome. imposter syndrome. We all I feel did, this way. I totally.
0: We all feel this way. <laughs> uh, that'll be a good panel. That'll be a really good panel. Um, and plus, you were up late last night doing Thursday Night Bulwark, which I missed because I had an exciting life event, which I will tell you at the end of the show. Uh, how was TNB last night? Was it good?
1: It was great. Uh, Me, Charlie, and Mona. I I feel like it was a little bit, we were doing the races. We were doing Pennsylvania wrap-up and then look ahead to Georgia. Uh, And uh, so I feel like I monopolized the conversation. I felt, you know, bad about it Uh, because, you know, how amped I get when I start doing the races. Um, I had just done a big 2022 kind of seminar down here. Uh, for the kids, for the young students, the grad students, and the and the college students, and so I was all torqued up about the races with all my all my feelings about them and the different because the Pennsylvania race, you know, as we tried to like wrestle through it on Wednesday with Tim, the Pennsylvania race dynamics are just just like interesting from a how could this go? This is what are the because the possibilities are kind of endless. Yeah, um, nobody with all these characters will do on this. Yeah yeah and we still don't know oz or mccormick and those are those are really big dynamic change um and so there's a lot to talk through there and then <clears throat> and then i think georgia is super interesting um and you know it's coming up on tuesday and we could spend some time on it i i'm sure people heard about it last night so i won't belabor it too much but you know, it's it's also between between Raffensburg or Kemp, the fact that it will be incredibly nationalized because ultimately it's against Stacey Abrams, um, the fact that Trump was so invested there and, you know, is pulling out. There's just like that I I could talk about for an hour or two. Herschel Walker's there. Another crazy big one.
0: So tell me tell me a little because I was not there for the show last night. Uh, tell me a little bit about the. The Republican primary in Georgia. How is Jody Tice doing against Raffensperger? And I know a little bit about. Obviously, so Purdue is has never caught on, and so to say he's collapsed is not quite right. He he just never popped, and seems to have been abandoned by Trump. There's a Politico story today. With four people close to the president, all speaking on background about how Trump is just sick and disgusted by this guy and isn't going to do anything else for him. And uh, that is that is interesting to me because precisely because Kemp is such a unicorn. So what's what's interesting about the Kemp thing is is, is the fact that there is nobody else like him, really, and no other major figure sitting in office, who Trump went super heavy at recruiting a big-name challenger, pouring resources into, and who's going to get soundly defeated. And I'm interested in what are the various factors that have created this unicorn? Is the unicorn replicable? Uh, All those things. So talk to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I do think Kemp is a unicorn in, in like— in the way you laid it out, although, I, I, but like, there are unicorn-ish people below him, right? So, I, I we we're not there yet, but like, I think Lisa Murkowski's going to survive, right? After <clears throat> getting a, a Trumpy candidate, not a, not a star like Purdue, you know, who is well no- as well known, but you know, Trump handpicked a, 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 a somebody to take on Murkowski, and I think she'll survive. Um, you know, I, Trump never. Never went super, super hard at DeWine, but um, was certainly against DeWine in Ohio. And DeWine had a primary challenge that didn't really, you know, that kind of flamed out. Um, but and DeWine so, and
0: Murkowski are not in the Trump world narrative responsible for the election being stolen.
1: That's right. Right. That's right. I mean, they, this they, is the. For DeWine, uh, he was just a rhino. For Murkowski, she was an impeacher. So so Trump, you know, said he was going to do whatever. And he, I mean, Trump has gone to Alaska and like twisted arms of other uh, you know, he got Sarah Palin into the into a different race, um, and he's also, but he's he's basically said to governors, you know, if you endorse Lisa, you know, you cannot endorse Lisa Murkowski, and people have listened to Trump, but I think she's going to survive anyway, and so, um, and and I don't want to belabor my specific point because I make it on the the focus group podcast I make it on here, uh, which is just that, you know, there's everybody needs because people need like an interesting horse race story. People are going to make a ton out of this um, about Trump's power uh, and sway over the party. And like, I just think that whole conversation is very silly because the entire field of candidates has obviously moved aggressively Trump word. Trump's already won. Um, There's not an anti-Trump candidate to be found, including Kemp. But the 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 short answer for why Kemp is able to do this thing, despite Trump kind of going in heavy, was a couple dynamics. Number one, uh the benefits of incumbency are real. Like this is what Lisa Murkowski has. Um and 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 this is what uh Kemp has. Just people know him. He's in the seat right now. Like, and and so that's what benefits of incumbency are just are they're the same dynamic. That are fundamental that you get like when you say Dems are going to lose the House this year because you're just like these are fundamentals of politics. You know, incumbency right. brings with it a ton of benefits. So that's one thing. Two, and I've, I focus group this. This is what the focus group podcast is about. Um, that's going to drop this weekend. Uh, in advance of the Georgia race. Um, but like the voters like him because they think he did a really good job on COVID. You know, he because he's not as combative, Kemp as um DeSantis or Abbott he doesn't get he didn't get like the national profile about this but he probably beat DeSantis in being like we're opening up the state we're not shutting down um and so for Republican voters for whom the shutdown around COVID was poison for their elected officials Kemp is a hero he did it all right and they all say the same thing really like how he handled COVID he did a really good job that's number one number two on the specific charge that Purdue is levying, because Purdue is running a very stupid campaign that is literally only on Stop the Steal, like he doesn't have any other things that he's doing. It's all about how the election was stolen and and Kemp didn't do enough. One of the big things that Kemp did was pass this, I'll use my air quotes, election integrity bill, um, in the state that makes everybody be like, well Kemp took that seriously he passed a whole bill there was a big fight about it in the state everybody and that got national attention the Major League Baseball was mad at us um and so uh, you know Kemp was seen as fighting on the election front uh, in the in the post game and because Trump was so present around the runoff, Georgians actually, unlike in a lot of other states, actually got annoyed, right? They lost those two Senate seats. The Republicans did. So they were actively annoyed at the way that Trump had made his presence known, and they feel like he did cost them two Senate seats. And so um, it's just a whole different dynamic. But like, and so I think that's why, I think that's A, why Kemp is uh, is doing so well and like actively about to crush Jody Heiss. And what that does is create a knock-on down-ballot effect where I would have told you, and probably did tell you 10 months ago or a year ago, like as much as for me as a personal lover of Brad Raffensperger, that he was absolutely toast, like no chance in the world. But that whole thing was predicated on the idea that Trump had sort of handpicked Jody Heiss, uh, a congressman, to to take on Raffensperger in this high profile way, and that Trump was gonna be in the state constantly reminding people that Brad Raffensperger sold him out, rat-faced, you know, leaked the tape, whatever. Well, you know, it's lots of times gone by, and as we've known, uh, people have the memories of like goldfish when it comes to a lot of stuff. And so the question is, is like, are people still super mad and remembering it? Because because of the Purdue collapse, Trump has not gone into the state. He's stayed out of it. He's embarrassed. This is going to be his big high profile flop uh for this election cycle and so he's not in the state boosting heists and he's not in the state crapping on raffensperger and so it is possible that kemp's dominance and the sheer benefits of incumbency like we were doing the focus group in georgia i don't want to spoil the episode too much which uh your boy tim tim miller is my guest he was a a last stand-in because COVID is killing everybody or not COVID is knocking people out at a rapid rate uh so you got to have backup guests um, but the thing is that, if you asked, uh, we asked the group of people, like, uh, "Hey, uh, what do you know about Jody Heiss? and everybody stared at us and said, "Never heard of her." And uh, <laughs> you know, and that's they misgendered they misgendered. They did misgender Jody Heiss. That's really uh,
0: which that's bad. reporters
1: do too. Like, I mean, this Jody just like never got any name recognition. Never got now, any traction. I take it
0: that Jody would be totally fine being misgendered and would never get upset with people misgendering him. <laughs> Correct. And it's like
1: I do think. Oh, I do think, Jody, oh, Jody
0: doesn't like being misgendered. Interesting.
1: It's like a boy named Sue. I mean, maybe Jody is a boy's name somewhere. I'm always sometimes struck. It is.
0: I've, I have a friend named Jody. You do actually. Oh, that's yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And funnily enough, uh, I knew a guy named Joe T, which was pronounced almost exactly like Jody, but it was J O T I.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I would pronounce yeah. that Jotty.
0: I would have too, but but everybody said Jody. So
1: interesting. Well. My only point is that um, this is a race I'm watching super closely because is there
0: polling at the sex state level? Or oh, no? so
1: there is, there is polling, um, and 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 we pulled it, we pulled it. So, so I saw. So here's what happened: I saw public polling, <clears throat> maybe a, a a month ago or something, and it had Raffensburger tied with Heiss and a bunch of a un- bunch of undecideds, and so. Um, I was like, okay, this is what's happening, right? So, what, what, ha- the, 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 the bad news. So, I, I would put this: the betting markets have it at forty percent. I'd, I'd had it at a one in four shot for Raffensperger because he has to get over. This is like a runoff state because he has to get over fifty percent, and that's a tough. That's a tough ask. But it is in the realm of possibility because What of how happens well. if he
0: doesn't get over 50? So then they go to a
1: runoff, and this is where Trump gets involved, and there's a much more spotlight because what will happen is the governor's race will no longer be on the ticket because Kemp will win it outright. Oh, I see. Okay. And it'll go to a runoff, and uh, and then Trump really does engage on behalf gotcha. of heists. And so gotcha. I think that Brad has to do it in this first part. When people maybe will just like go down the Republican ballot and just like vote straight. Like what has to happen is people, for him to lose, people have to remember. Like they have to be going, they have to vote for Kemp and then go to Raffensburg and be like, I don't like him. And this, I'm going to vote for this other guy I've never heard or this well, other lady to, I've never heard of.
0: Here's a question about about the ballot, right? So how how much does it matter? That he's an incumbent because at the sec state level, you don't write. I mean, it, does his name go first? Because it's not like in a general election ballot where you just see like the R's are R's and the, you know, if you're voting for the R, then you're voting for the R everywhere. Is, you know, is is being an incumbent going to help him in terms of because most people don't know who their secretary of state is, right? I mean. Th-
1: that's that's right. Although, um and, and I would say in this group, though, there was a couple people who did and there were a couple people who, were, who called him. Someone called him like. Rat face burger or something or like, you know. Uh so like there was there were a couple of people who remembered and and we did actually try to tease out in the group why some people were mad at Raffensburger but were fine with Kemp. And they just say outright, they're like, Oh, well, Kemp did good things for my life. He was good on COVID, right. you know. And I they're like, i have no idea what this other guy does, like what the Secretary of State does. And so I think that's a real dynamic um to contend with. Uh, and so I, I I do think it's still pretty tough for Raf to do it, but not impossible in the way I would have said. Because um, okay. it was like, and he was a so t- he's now a- an
0: underdog, not uh, not just a, like gonna get crushed.
1: Right. I okay. mean, I still think it's I still think it's a tough sell to get him over fifty percent, but he was at like thirty, he was at like thirty eight or thirty six, and heist was at like twenty nine, and so I don't know. You never know. You never know.
0: That's very, very interesting. Uh, okay, where where are we on Oz and McCormick? Are we still Oz plus like 1,200 votes or something like that? And and it doesn't really matter because we're heading to recount?
1: Yeah, we're going to go into – well, it matters. So it doesn't
0: it, matter who's ahead right now because we're going to recount everything all over again.
1: Yeah, well, it does matter, and I'll just tell you why. Um, so – the. the Despite the fact that everybody thinks our elections were rigged and terrible, whatever, our, our, our counting is actually pretty good. And so, like, when people have gone back and done the recounts in a bunch of these places, they're usually not that – they're usually pretty close. I mean, you know, there was, uh, there was like, one instance, I think, in, um, I want to say, maybe Arizona, where when they did the recount, they found, you know, like – 1200 more ballots or something and it actually helped Biden um but, so but like, like the
0: provisional ballots haven't been counted right so the provisional, the provisional ballots, ballots don't come in until the recount right Isn't that's it? right so provisional
1: yeah. ballots haven't been counted the I think they're still I don't think they've counted There's still the some mail that haven't gotten military yet, right? yeah. yeah that's right the overseas so military that's what I'm thing. saying like,
0: the race is so close that it is <laughs> so going to be close. essentially like ha- you know like starting from scratch almost
1: it, it well well here's the thing <clears throat> so I'm not sure I think it's starting from scratch <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, I do think what's going to happen is that uh, it's going to be super close in the in the under a thousand, you know, squeaker territory. They'll recount, and the and the count won't change much. Is my is is what I would say. Is I I think likely. So I think whoever's wins, even if it's by like 800 votes, I am. Uh, recounts typically don't change that much. Doesn't mean it couldn't, but it's just right. typically. You think they're we're likely
0: the, to be Oz then?
1: well it may be except there's still a lot to be counted like I, the the number of votes that were out as of like so the people the, the people who are following this the closest like Wasserman and Steve Kornacki um you know the thing they've been trying to do is hunt down where the rest of these ballots are coming right. from and uh and and it's it's actually i think it's just mystifying to them too like everybody's saying uh, you know they so so so, McCormick has been winning like in Allegheny County, where actually a lot of those outstanding votes were. But it's like thirty nine, thirty six. He's winning them, so it's yeah. still very close. Like it's yeah. not definitive. In a fractured
0: so- field, he needs a lot of votes in order to make up ground, just because his margins are so small, right?
1: Yeah, and I've been I've been hearing from people who've been talking to both both camps. Uh, I would say say are are feeling sort of cautiously optimistic. Uh, but I think that the Oz camp is less cautiously optimistic and more like actually optimistic. I think the, the McCormick camp is more cautious in their optimism because Oz being up by 1200 votes is going to, is like really matters right now.
0: Can I, can I just say just between us, Trump is right. Oz should just declare victory as oh, a political, I, I, I as, I a, political matter, Please tell as me. a political matter, as a political matter. Oz should declare victory and begin the general election campaign right now.
1: I mean, I'm sorry, you're going to have to tell me more. I obviously disagree with this. I think this is an insane thing. If you are in the ninth inning, okay, and mm-hmm. uh, you bat, you get your bat, you get your at bat, and uh, and you with other teams gets the last one. You're like, nope, we're just declaring victory right now. Nobody goes for that. Can't do it.
0: I don't know. I mean you know you want to make it as hard as possible for mccormick to make the case to various people that he is the legitimate winner and so you just fast forward and say look we won we're we're on to the general election campaign against this socialist soft on crime criminal loving guy whose heart just exploded uh, and we're gonna, you, you we're, we're just gonna go out there and start, start making our case. And what's McCormick gonna do, right?
1: Uh, I, I, he's gonna say count every vote and he'll be right what are you talking about they should nobody should just i'm not talking back. about this what's is,
0: in, right or wrong this this is i'm just insane. talking as a matter of as a matter of political strategy no not it's still bad it's, it's still
1: bad we should not have people doing this we should everybody should agree that we're going to wait and count every vote and then we're going to have a recount right. which is going to be triggered by that's a 0.5 not the world we live in margin uh it's the world we need to live in and right now i am actually pleased i am pleased uh that these guys are despite crying about how the elections are rigged and we have to do all this stuff neither of them are doing that at the moment both of them, like trump is doing it from the sidelines in this he's done it a couple times he's clearly like exasperated with oz yeah why are they
0: behaving like normal normal politicians
1: what are you doing just declare victory it's like like, it's like what did he do yesterday his second one was like this is so stupid in pennsylvania like Oz needs to just declare victory and you know he's calling him to be like I endorsed you just do this and Oz is not doing it because most people actually when it's them like it's one thing for them to defend it for somebody else where like culturally we've all decided decided to like cross our fingers behind our back and like say that we believe this like insane thing that the election was stolen so that we can all maintain the fiction that Trump's a winner and so are we. Uh, when it comes to you, when it comes to McCormick and Oz, they are very hesitant to be the ones to be like, "Ah, yes, I will just steal this thing. I will just no." They're both waiting for all the votes to come in, which is the right thing to do, and nobody should tell them otherwise.
0: You know what? You turned me around, Jonathan.
1: You Jonathan. turned me
0: around. I'm wrong. You are right. That's the you. That is the better. That look. We should try to live in the world that we want to live in, not the world as it exists. And uh,
1: that's right. I just said that to somebody yeah. yesterday.
0: Yep. No. About Larry Hogan. You're right. You're right. There we go. Um,
1: Hey, can we? Let's just. Do you want to? Well, one, I didn't know if you had anything other on on Fetterman you wanted to add, but you you've been dogging my boy Hogan. Uh, I just thought of this. Uh, You, you, what is because you you wrote about his speech. Sometimes I go back and read your newsletters later. Uh, And and over the weekend when I like have time, Uh, what is your what is your what's your problem? bro with Hogan. You don't like a good zombie Reagan, nice guy candidate, you know, second most popular governor trying to turn things around?
0: I, I I didn't say that. What I said was it is an open question to me whether he his act and it is an act. Let's let's be very clear. It's an act because when he comes out and talks about as I said, what what really drove me nuts about his speech was that he was first bemoaning people who engage in divisive political theater and talking about talking about people in ways that aren't real. And then he turned around basically accuses Joe Biden of being a socialist, which, you know, and Joe Biden, who whose entire administration is captive to the far left, which, again, they're say socialist.
1: He didn't say socialist.
0: I oh, got I'm sorry I wrote this piece 3 weeks ago. I don't remember exactly <laughs> what his wording was, but I did quote him at length. And the the things which he accused Biden of uh were in fact caricatures based not on anything in reality. And this isn't to say that you can't criticize, but there there you know, I in fact in my newsletter laid out like five ways that Hogan could have gone after the Biden administration. But instead, he engages in the same performative uh, rhetoric and attempts to divide us that he criticizes. And what I said in my newsletter was, is an open question to me as to what the the net net of this is. Because on the the good side of it, right, here is a guy who is standing up to Trumpism from within the party. That's good. On the other hand, here is a guy who is providing cover For a bunch of people in the party who don't like Trumpism but are then going to go along with it anyway because they tell themselves, well, you know, sure, I'm voting for all these Trumpy candidates, but uh, I'm not one of them. I, I'm a Larry Hogan guy. And Larry Hogan people can still be part of the Republican Party, even if it means you have to vote for Donald Trump for president. Uh, you know, we, we, I didn't support him in the primaries. I, I voted for Larry Hogan in the primary. and uh, But then I had to vote for Trump in the in the general because I'm a Republican. And you can be a Republican and still, still be part of, you know, the party is still the party of Larry Hogan and zombie Reaganism. And I don't know if that, again, when you balance those two out, is he doing more harm than good? I don't know the answer to that question. In addition yeah. to the question, again, he's just lying and he's engaging in the same performative theater that he decries, which makes him just a, a ridiculous hypocrite. I, I just, you know, like, go drive into a tree, dude. But, uh,
1: Ooh, okay. First of all, that's my, this is my this is my favorite governor you're talking about. So yeah, that's great. You down. can have him.
0: You can have him. Uh, um no, but tell, so tell me for for real though. What what where do you think the net net on this is in terms of political health? I'm understanding that there's no way to test this. We're just No,
1: I know. we just I, thinking through it out loud. This is actually one of my favorite pieces of of analysis from you. Um because I I really do struggle with it. It is it's a it's a it's a fair point on like but it, but it's not just Hogan, right? So so it is it is Liz Cheney, uh it's Mitt Romney, it's any Republican who is uh behaving well in this moment and like
0: i think liz and mitt are more honest in their criticisms of democrats than oh i think that larry
1: hogan and mitt romney have a very i i I take i take that on on liz because i think liz is doing something uh like that that seems like a miracle half the time i mean after the buffalo shooter she literally said kevin mccarthy and the republican caucus has been protecting white supremacists uh and and pushing these replacement theories. like she tweeted it went right at him like there is no she, there's no guile she's not she's not trying to change for anybody um i i think the one thing you can really trust about lacy even when she's taken votes you don't like still like that she means it she means everything yeah. she says yeah. and she's not she's not pulling punches mm-hmm. romney you know is still when he writes when he chooses to write an op-ed for the wall street journal it's about Biden and his economic agenda and how it's terrible for everybody um, and when and not yeah, but about I think
0: he I think he makes specific criticisms about Biden and not like, oh, hostage to the far left of his party, but, you know. Which is, oh, again, I, th- I don't not... think that's
1: he absolutely does. No. He that, absolutely okay. tweets Fair things enough. like that Fair about, enough. you know, the far left agenda, blah, blah, blah. Okay. He, he does enough. all that stuff. Fair enough. Um, and, and more importantly, um, I would say that Hogan and Romney have similar records, though, of like when it's. Hogan was all over Trump over COVID. Like he was on TV all the time blasting him. He really he really did take on Trump in a way that was I think Romney has done it where he's risen to the occasion at specific moments. Like that's what I and I love that about it Romney. Like yeah. when when the stakes are really high he usually comes through on the right side. Uh I would say Hogan's more been much a much more consistent critic of of Trump like throughout on a lot of policy matters and just in general. Um but this point about um this point about what do you like, what do you are the good Republicans doing net harm, uh, is is something I take seriously and think is a little bit true. because um, I do think that they are providing cover. That being said, uh, I've always believed and even though I feel like I can't be the one to do this, I do think that the change like I think leadership really matters. So I, I had somebody asking me, I was talking to a, a reporter for a piece, um, that they're they're doing about Hogan. And, you know, he, he asked me the question of, you know, what, what, what is, is there a is there any is there any part of the party there for Larry Hogan? And I was like, you know, let me give you like the negative part of this and then the positive part of this. And and the negative part is. There is not a you know, when you I say this all the time, you ask the Trump voters what they want. And like if they want Trump and if they don't get Trump, they want DeSantis or Christy Nome or Tucker Carlson, like the voters, they don't want Larry Hogan. <laughs> for the most part, right? They don't. Um, that being said, uh, I think I've always, like, when people are like, well, how do we get out of this moment? What are we going to do? What's going to change the dynamic? And there's really only two things that I see that change the dynamic. One is you have to consistently beat this version of the Republican Party at politics. Like, you have to you have to keep them from being elected, which this which is Democratic can't Party— do because which, which you can't do because of the configuration, configuration exactly. of our system. That's exactly right. You can't do it. The more likely thing you can do is have republican leaders who start to speak up for an actual changed party that is it like leadership and i say like the thing about the, about people um and this is where everyone gets mad at me and the thing i get the most hate mail about is when i say it's and you yell at me too it's when i say something nice about these voters or when i say that they are not bad or unintelligent people let me just say that every human being has light and dark in them and uh and leadership What do you stop making that face? What?
0: People have good
1: impulses and bad impulses. Every
0: there are some people who are just Okay, fine.
1: Okay, can I just say, like, as a generality, you know? Um and 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 one of the things that Donald Trump's done is he's drawn out people's darkest impulses, the ones that like to hate and you know, uh and 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 be wedged off in these negative ways versus anything positive. I think that leaders – we're going to have to have leaders like Larry Hogan who step in and try to present an optimistic vision. I actually think the biggest problem with Larry Hogan's pitch is that I think zombie Reaganism is a bad one. I think it looks backwards and not forwards uh, in a way that is not that helpful. You know, let let me
0: throw something at you because when I talk about my vision of what that leadership would look like, you and Tim laugh at me and say, oh, here comes JVL with his West Wing politics. What's Would I look version? at this and I say, why can't Larry Hogan say, uh, like many other Republicans, not, not tons, but you know, like some 4% of them, hey, you know what, the Republican Party is no longer the party that I signed up for. Uh, and that makes me functionally a Democrat right now. And I don't agree with the Democrats on everything. There are a lot of things I don't agree with. But I'm this is who I am caucusing with, until the Republican Party fixes itself. And then maybe, and when I say this, you guys say, oh, JVL, that's a West Wing fantasy that you're doing your Sam Seaborn thing. That's you can't possibly expect these people to switch parties because that's just not the they have so many considerations and there's so much baggage. And you know what? The truth is, if we want to talk about like how to how to to really get out of this uh, one way would be for like five percent of Republicans to switch parties. Right. And 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 that has not happened anywhere at the that the elected level. There have been people in the media, there have been been people who are parts of Conservatism Inc. and Republican Inc. who have done that and made that switch, but nobody in elected land has done that. And people have decided to go on and either get out of politics or lose races rather than switch parties. Why is that? And and again, you, you tell me that that's a fantasy. I don't know how that's any more of a fantasy than maybe they can fix it from the inside.
1: I, I fix it from the. I, what I mean is is as a Republican, fix it. like Larry right. Hogan staying as a Republican. now, and here's the, the that I mean, seems this, to
0: me at least as much of a fantasy as Larry Hogan well, switches parties and brings like five percent no. of Republican voters in Maryland along with him
1: well, so well, so I sort of agree with that in the sense that I don't think that Larry Hogan has a chance of winning a Republican primary for president. Um I, I, I now the only the only way that that happens, it's not impossible. Uh, it is it is the it is what Dolan was trying to do in uh, in Ohio uh, where the only way is like what would be the reverse Trump in 2016, which is you get a crowded field of MAGAs and you have one move on from Trump presenting a different version of the Republican Party, the responsible person, basically one person alone in that lane that that the 30% can consolidate around. That's, that's the one scenario in which it works. There's definitely not a big enough, there's not a majority of Republicans who want that, but is right. there a plurality um, that it with certain mathematical uh, conditions could get there? Yes. Um, I personally think Liz Cheney has a better shot at that than Larry Hogan, um, but... I don't know. I mean, what he's doing is he's trying to not go full as Cheney, right? Like, his theory of the case for how he does that is to still criticize Democrats. And here's the thing. I mean... Uh, Larry Hogan is used to being a Republican. Like, this is why why would Larry Hogan switch par- Larry Hogan has won as a Republican in a blue state uh-huh. for his whole career. Like, that's what he does. He figures out how to appeal to Democrats as a Republican and build a broad-based coalition. And frankly, I think that's very smart. I wish we had more Democrats right now who are doing that. And one of the things that annoys me when you do this this particular pitch is that it 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 drops. Because I mean, obviously I agree with you about the state of the Republican Party, and I don't like claim, I'm not going to claim the Republican Party um, in, this, in this iteration either. Uh, but the idea that somebody's like, can just become a Democrat, like the Democrats forced the level of purity testing forced upon uh, candidates in the Democratic Party, like these Republicans, it's impossible for people who have actual beliefs around policy. They it can is, simply it is
0: refuse hard. to go along with those purity tests, right? I mean, if you're if you're in purplish states, you, look. I'm I'm just saying. You you tell me that that's not realistic, and that's fine. I hear that. To my mind, that is no more unrealistic than the fantasy that, like, well, Larry Hogan can fix the, you know, can help a Republican Party grow into something better from the inside. That is also a fantasy. And what bothers me about Larry Hogan is what bothers me about everybody who lives in... Everybody who refuses to engage with the world and recognize what reality is. Uh, Because that is a large part of what has brought us to this moment, is people willfully ignoring reality and denying reality in the name of uh, political... Self-identification and just inertia, and and by the way, those... this 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 includes some Democrats who uh, who have acted as though Trump is no different than George W. Bush or Mitt Romney or right. I mean, there is a strain of that which is like, no, this like Trump is no no different from any of all the other Republicans. It's all you know, they've all been existential threats for for since Newt Gingrich. And that is not engaging with the world as it is either, and that, that annoys me. And, well, okay,
1: but hold on a second. The, he's not doing it just for pure party identification. So if you're Larry Hogan, what do you, th- you know that you're the, you've been the second most popular governor in the country now for like six years. You uh, People love you in your state. Uh, black people love you, women love you. Demographics that are usually difficult for Republicans are on your side. And you're looking at your own profile uh, you know you're a good person, which he is a very good person. Yeah, sure. And you are thinking, my God, the country is falling apart around me. The Republican Party, like, is this horrible shit show. I'm going to try. I'm going to take a run at this, and I'm going to see if there are conditions in which I can build enough of a coalition to save this thing. And I think that's admirable. Like, I would just – this is – to to wind up the conversation where you started, um, I do I think that it is a it is a – it is something that is – Un- not not likely doable. I do, but I admire the people who are going to. I think Larry Hogan should have done it. I think he should have primary Trump when I asked him to uh, back in twenty eighteen. Uh, but I think that was a. I think he would have had a better shot even this cycle if he'd done that that cycle. Um, but yeah, I, I but just, if, he I, do, I if, he to, if he
0: has to do, if he has to engage in the same false divisiveness and rhetoric that he decries in order to do this in order to because like, that's what it is right his his joe biden is hostage to the far left is just his attempt to butch up and do both sides after beating up. he doesn't believe that joe biden is hostage to the far left right i mean he has specific complaints about JBL, various joe biden policies
1: jbl joe biden is hostage the, the, listen the, the I, why oh is what oh my god listen I, the, I, look there is a reason that the democrats are sucking wind right now. When Joe Biden talks, and, and like. Yes, it's
0: because we're in a, in, in a recession. That's why they're y- sucking no, wind. That, that,
1: that's part of it. But they don't do anything to help themselves. Listen, if you, if we were, if on my split screen of life, I didn't have a Republican Party that was absolutely so far off the rails, beyond the pale, uh I would be rip shit over the fact that we're going to forgive student loans. For, for what? Rich kids who went to college? Insanity.
0: We, keep... we haven't done that yet. That is we not there. T- what t- what t- we've t- done is the infrastructure. And we did the, the child tax credit in the American... World. Look at the things that have actually been done. The things that uh-huh. have actually been done are basically what Mitt and Romney would have done.
1: Yeah, well... Uh, inter. I mean, I I don't know. They so so they are they're seriously considering the the. It, and so what if they do it, what? So if they do it, do you do you agree that there's? I mean, it
0: depends on how it, it's constructed. It, it it entirely depends on how the the student loan forgiveness is constructed. There are ways in which it's very bad, and ways in which it's fine.
1: I think that that uh, you know the way that they're ha- they handle all kinds of things is like can't it, it's it's incompetent the pullout from afghanistan is infuriating like the I find...
0: absolutely no, and, but I and, could... and then the the ukrainian stuff has been fantastic no right? it I mean, it, it is... has been
1: good it, but but this no but the fight's the far left thing if this part, when i hear barack obama if you ever go back and watch barack obama talk uh even like 2010 2013 he sounds positively conservative compared to like where the democratic party is like i do not the, the the sometimes this idea of like who's moved further right and who's moved further left to me is almost stupid because the Republicans like they're not on the line. Like they just have like spun off into uh into like a crazy place. Um, but the Democrats have absolutely moved further left. And I understand that there's a difference between like what has happened so far versus what they're like pitching and saying they want to happen. Yeah. Uh okay, but like the build back better bill, the voting rights bill, these things have failed. Basically, because of Joe
0: Manchin. Sure, but also because of cinema, and also, I mean, they would have failed no matter what. I don't think there was a way to get those things passed. Um, look, we, you, and I have this, this disagreement all the time. Uh, they, I think it, it is it's very easy Larry to Logan understand what wrong a to say hostage that the party's to moving far left. left. he's not. Huh. Joe Biden that is, is not, not what he governing says. as a centrist.
1: He's not governing as a centrist.
0: He at all is he is governing as a center left president. And uh, go go ask the far left how how happy they are with Joe Biden. They feel as though they've gotten exactly nothing from him. And, uh, you know, his his mistakes are things like uh, not ending the Trump tariffs right which is which is bad why has he not ended the right wing trump tariffs uh and it's because he's afraid of being called soft on china so i mean
1: and the labor unions and and right, yeah know. look and the, those are not those are but i just i just mean there is a reason that it is difficult uh and that you hear a lot of centrist democrats uh you know, b- belate bemoaning the the party and who it's captive to. That whole PBB negotiation thing <clears throat> was absolutely about being captive to the far left.
0: But I mean, with a fifty-one vote majority, they are captive to both sides, right? They are they, captive to Joe Manchin and they are captive to the that's far left. That's true, but left Joe Biden sided. Natural... With a,
1: so Joe Biden sided with the far left. And here's the thing: like this, t- this t- I don't normally argue this this position, other than. For the purposes of this, to say that uh, there is a reason that somebody who considers themselves a Republican isn't just like jumping on Team Blue, especially as an elected official, uh, and and that it, that characterization, I think, is not. Uh, I think, say, if he had said socialism, I would have been like out of bounds, Larry Hogan. What are you doing?
0: No, I'll go pull up the transcript after off the air and highlight exactly what it is again because you're you only read me a month after I write it, so it all <laughs> sort of disappears into my memory hole. Um, anyway. Uh, Okay, so you had stuff you wanted to talk about. I had stuff I want to talk about.
1: No, I talked about it up front. Mine was just my my ordeal getting coffee being seen in my pajamas.
0: All right, so last week we talked about my coaching dilemma. I had a dark night of the soul last week. Uh, we got worked at a baseball game, lost 14 to nothing, and I was reconsidering my let's play everybody, let's give everybody equal playing time, we're really not here to win, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we had two games this week. We did a let's play everybody game. But the first game, we won. Uh, it was a not a very good team. We we beat them while letting everybody play. Uh, the bad kids on the team played horribly, as they always do. No judgments. We're all there to have fun. But, but things like when you're standing on first base and I'm coaching first base and a pop fly is hit and you start running to second base while I'm screaming at you from five feet away, Stop, come back here, come back, you can't go to set, come back to me, run back, turn around, come back to me, what are you doing? And then the kids get doubled up, which happens multiple times per game with these kids because they can't even listen to the first base coach. You know, when you're a runner at first base, you don't have to do any thinking. You're you're just like an automaton. You just listen to the first base coach, you do what they say, and then if you're out, it's on your coach, it's not your fault, right? All you have to do is listen, anyway. So we had a chance to get back to 500 yesterday against a pretty good team. And so uh, I just gave in to my inner Sarah. I've only played my best nine players, and I took Flash, and I started him for the first time all season. I haven't let him start because I've been very sensitive to, uh, oh, look, the coach's kid is pitching. And so I've limited his innings and not let him start any games. I've only brought him in relief. Uh, And he threw a no-header. So uh, five innings, 14 strikeouts. Uh, The other team did not make contact with the ball even once. No foul balls, no foul tips, no balls put in play. Uh, And we won. And now I have a taste for it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I got to tell you, you better be careful with that because I got savaged in the comments for suggesting that perhaps you treat this like a competitive sport. Uh, somebody told me, somebody somebody wrote a comment I, that I just did want to address because it was like, Of course, Sarah wants to take these kids and rub their faces in the dirt because she's already told us she wants men competing in women's sports. And I was like, Do you listen to me, sir? gentlemen of yeah that's what?
0: not what you, that's not that's your first position. of all not
1: my position on transports uh which i think is complicated and you should approach with compassion but that i am generally in favor of local entities making this decision but if you left it up to me i would not have people who had recently transitioned at the very competitive levels uh of sports but like uh i certainly also don't think you should rub <laughs> what this like sounded like i wanted to take children and be like uh, and you know what? You set me up for this. I was like, thinking about it later as what everybody came in. At, no, you do. This is this is a classic JVL move. This is like oh, I'm having a dark night of the soul, but like let me tell you what a nice guy I am. Let me tell you what a good good coach I am. See, I, I have this really egalitarian way of thinking about it. And uh, and Sarah, I'm going to set you up to disagree with me, and then everyone's going to be mad at you. And I'm not letting that happen again because I already defended Larry Hogan on this podcast. Everyone's already going to be mad at me for that. And uh, and so I, whatever. But good good for Flash.
0: Well, so now I'm thinking. So we have one game left, and if we win that game, then we finish with a winning record with a team that I didn't think was going to win a single game. And uh, now, are there any bonuses for finishing with a winning record? No. Will it mean that we qualify for the playoffs? No. There are no playoffs. There's, there's no reason to. But I've got a taste for it now. And now I'm thinking. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we just maybe we just keep rolling the dice here. Hot shooter, gotta win going to win anyway it's very bad my inner demon has come out and this is one of the reasons i've, I've always been so careful with this because i am an intensely competitive person and knowing that about myself i try to keep that that beast locked away
1: well, uh, I, re- it's, I don't know why this just – but when I was in uh, – when I lived in Delaware and after college and I was so bored, all I did was sit around and read the conservative books from the think tank that I was working at because, like, it was 2002 or three, and there wasn't – you know, technology was still not that far along. Uh, I think I was still using a typewriter. Uh, I would coach at the Y. I would coach, mm-hmm. like, the five-year-olds at the Y. And I just, like, have this image flashing in my head of me, like – being on the court like yelling like not at the kids but being <laughs> met there was like a big kid who was like fouling my team and I was like yelling at the ref to like get him off my kid you know and uh, I just yeah no I, I, I would not do that today but that is um I, I couldn't control it back then I was All too right. close to coming off sports
0: I'm gonna tell you one story that uh, very quickly and then we'll get out um that I told on another show so we're we're at this this game on Tuesday the this bad team that we we beat up on. And we have that situation I described where one of my little fifth graders who knows nothing about baseball is on first base. I'm the first base coach. Uh, there's one out. A pop fly is hit. And this kid just takes off to second. I'm calling it to the whole time. Come back. Come come back. Stop. You, get back here. <laughs> anyway, so their shortstop catches the ball, which is amazing. And he then has the presence of mind to throw it to the first baseman. So he throws at the first base. It's not a great throw. The first baseman has to come off the bag to catch it. But everybody is shouting. And this kid just sort of catches the ball. He's like five feet away from first base. And he turns and he looks to me like, what am I supposed to do? And so I say to him, I say, hey, 23, just step on the base. And he then gets the suspicious look of, (laughs) wait a minute. The other coach is telling me to do it. Is this a trick? And I said, no, buddy, buddy. Just step on the base. It'll be—he'll be out. It'll be a double play. It'll be the end of the inning. Just—just just step on the bag. It's okay. And so he goes. He steps. On, and he does it so tentatively, like he's afraid it's gonna be a blow up, like a landmine. Like I have Wiley Coyote booby trapped it for him. And—and and then the ump calls the out. And the kid looks. And he's like, "Hey, thanks." I said, "No problem, buddy. Good play." <laughs> All right, uh, Sarah. Enjoy the rest of Chicago. The Cubs are in town. You go see them tonight. You know.
1: I'm leaving. I'm leaving right after this panel. I gotta get
2: home.
0: Alright. Uh, Rebecca, take us home. Bye.
2: Bye. 7 a.m., waking up in the morning. Gotta be fresh, gotta go downstairs. Gotta have my bowl, gotta have cereal. Seeing everything, the time is going ticking on and on. Everybody's rushing. Gotta get down to the bus stop. Gotta catch my bus. I see my friends. day Thursday, Thursday, today, is yeah. it's Friday, Friday, we, 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 so excited, we, so excited, we gonna have a ball today, tomorrow is Saturday, and Sunday comes afterwards, I don't want the sleep G- today, G, G, R, B, Rebecca Black. Chilling in the front, in side. The front side. In the seat, in the back seat, I'm driving, yeah, cruising, fast yeah. lane, switching lanes with a car by my side. Come Passing by it's a school bus in, in front of me. Next tick tock, tick tock, on the street. Uh-huh. My time is Friday, it's a weekend. Yeah. We gonna have fun. Come on, come on, y'all. It's Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking like forward to the